Book Twenty of the Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Your reader, Michael Armenta. Argument: The Battle of the Gods and the Acts of Achilles. Jupiter upon achilles return to the battle calls a council of the gods and permits them to assist either party the terrors of the combat described when the deities are engaged apollo encourages aeneas to meet achilles after a long conversation these two heroes encounter but aeneas is preserved by the assistance of Neptune. Achilles falls upon the rest of the Trojans, and is upon the point of killing Hector, but Apollo conveys him away in a cloud. Achilles pursues the Trojans with a great slaughter. The same day continues. The scene is in the field before Troy. Round thee, Achilles, eager for the fray, Stood thus accoutred by their beaked ships, The sons of Greece. The Trojan host, opposed, Stood on the sloping margin of the plain. Then Jove to Themis gave command To call the gods to council From the lofty height of many-ridged Olympus. To the house of Jove she summoned them from every side. Thence, of the rivers, save Oceanus, not one was absent, nor of nymphs who haunt clear fount or shady grove or grassy mead. They at the cloud-compeller's house arrived, within the polished corridor reclined, which Vulcan's cunning hand for Jove had built. There were they, gathered in the abode of Jove, nor did the earth-shaking Neptune slight the call, but came from ocean's depths, and in the midst he sat, and thus the will of Jove inquired. Why, Lord of Lightning, Hast thou summoned here the gods to counsel? Dost thou aught devise, touching the Greeks and Trojans, Who e'en now kindle anew, it seems, the blaze of war? To whom the cloud-compeller answering thus, The purpose, Neptune, well thou knowest thyself, For which I called ye, true, they needs must die, but still they claim my care. Yet here will I upon Olympus's lofty ridge remain, and view, serene, the combat. You, the rest, go as you list, to Trojans or to Greeks, and at your pleasure either party aid. For if we leave Achilles thus alone, to fight against the Trojans, not an hour will they 
before the son of Peleus stand. They dreaded him before, but now, I fear, since roused to fury by his comrade's death, he e'en in fate's despite may storm the wall. Thus Saturn's son and quenchless battle roused. The gods, divided, hastened to the war. Juno and Pallas to the ships of Greece, with them the earth-shaker, and the helpful god Hermes, for cunning subtleties unmatched, and Vulcan too, exulting in his strength, yet halting, and on feeble limbs sustained. Mars of the glancing helm took part with Troy, and golden Phoebus with his locks unshorn, Latona too, and Dian, archer-queen, Xanthus and Venus, laughter-loving dame. While from the fight of men the gods abstained, High rose the Grecian vaunts, as long withdrawn Achilles on the field again appeared, and every Trojan's limbs with terror quaked, trembling, as Peleus's godlike son they saw in arms all glittering, fierce as blood-stained Mars. But when the immortals mingled in the throng, then furious waxed the spirit-stirring strife. Then Pallas raised her war-cry, standing now beside the deep-dug trench without the wall, now shouting loud along the sounding beach. On the other side, as with the tempest's roar, Mars to the Trojans shouted loud, one while from Ilium's topmost height, anon again from the fair hill or changing Simois's stream. Thus either side, exciting to the fray, the immortal gods unchained the angry war. Thundered on high the sire of gods and men with awful din, while Neptune shook beneath the boundless earth and lofty mountain-tops. The spring-abounding Ida quaked and rocked from her firm basis to her loftiest peak, and Troy's proud city, and the ships of Greece. Pluto, the infernal monarch, heard, alarmed, and springing from his throne, cried out in fear, lest Neptune, breaking through the solid earth, to mortals and immortals should lay bare his dark and drear abode of gods abhorred. Such was the shock when gods in battle met, for there to royal Neptune stood opposed Phoebus Apollo, with his arrows keen, the blue-eyed Pallas to the god of war, to Juno, Diane, heavenly archeress, sister of Phoebus, golden-shafted queen, stout Hermes, 
helpful god, Latona faced, while Vulcan met the mighty rolling stream, Xanthus, by gods, by men, Scamander called. Thus gods encountered gods. Achilles' soul, meantime, was burning mid the throng to meet Hector, the son of Priam, with whose blood he longed to glut the insatiate lord of war. Apollo then, the spirit-stirring god, Aeneas moved Achilles to confront, and filled with courage high, and thus the voice assuming of Lycian, Priam's son, Apollo, son of Jove, the chief addressed. Aeneas, prince and counsellor of Troy, where are the vaunts which o'er the wine-cup late thou madest amid the assembled chiefs of Troy, that hand to hand thou wouldst Achilles meet? To whom Aeneas thus in answer spoke. Why, son of Priam, urge me to contend against my will with Peleus's mighty son? Not for the first time should I now engage Achilles, swift of foot. I met him once, and fled before his spear, on Ida's hill, when on our herds he fell. Lyrnessus then he raised, and Pedasus. Me Jove preserved with strength endowing, and with speed of foot. Else had I fallen beneath Achilles's hand, by Pallas aided, who before him moves, light of his life, and guides his brazen spear, Trojans and Lelegies alike to slay. Tis not in mortal man with him to fight, whom still some god attends and guards from harm, and e'en unaided. To the mark his spear unerring flies, unchecked until it pierce a warrior's breast. Yet if the gods the scale impartial held, all brass-clad as he is, o'er me no easy triumph should he gain. To whom the king Apollo, son of Jove. Brave chief, do thou too to the immortal gods address thy prayer? Men say that thou art sprung from Venus, child of Jove. His mother owns a humbler origin, one born to Jove, the other to the aged ocean god. On, then, with dauntless spear, nor be dismayed by his high tone and vaunting menaces. His words with courage filled the hero's breast, and on he sprang in dazzling arms arrayed. But not unmarked of white-armed Juno passed to meet Achilles through the press of men, who thus addressed the gods to counsel called. 
Neptune, and Pallas. Aeneas comes, in dazzling arms arrayed, to meet in fight the son of Peleus. Phoebus sends him forth. Say then, shall we, encountering, to retreat perforce constrain him? Or shall one of us beside Achilles stand, and give him strength, that he may nothing lack, and know himself by all the mightiest of the immortal gods beloved, and those how powerless by whose aid the Trojans yet maintain defensive war. Therefore to join the battle came we all from high Olympus, that in this day's fight no ill befall him, though the time shall come for him to meet the doom by fate decreed when at his birth his thread of life was spun but if achilles from a voice divine receive not this assurance he may well be struck with fear if haply to some god he find himself opposed tis hard for man to meet in presence visible a god to whom earth-shaking Neptune thus replied, Juno, thine anger carry not too far, it ill beseems thee. Not with my consent shall we, the stronger far, provoke to arms the other gods, but rather from the field retiring let us from on high survey to mortals left the turmoil of the war should mars or phoebus then begin the fight or stay achilles and his arm restrain then in the contest we too may engage and soon methinks will they be fain to join driven from the field the synod of the gods, subdued, perforce, by our victorious hands. The dark-haired monarch spoke, and led the way to the high wall, by Trojans built of old, with Pallas's aid, for godlike Hercules, within whose circle he might safety seek when from the beach the monster of the deep might chase him toward the plain there neptune sat and with him the other gods a veil of cloud impenetrable around their shoulders spread on the other side upon the fair hill's brow phoebus with mars the fort destroyer sat on either side they sat each facing each with hostile counsels yet reluctant both to take the initiative of ruthless war till jove enthroned on high the signal gave then all the plain with men and horses thronged the brazen gleam illumed 
rang the earth beneath their feet, as to the battle shock they rushed. But in the midst, both hosts between, eager for fight, stood forth two warriors bold, proudly pre-eminent, Anchises' son Aeneas, and Achilles' godlike might. Aeneas, first with threatening mien, advanced, nodding his ponderous helm. Before his breast his shield he bore, and poised his brazen spear. Him met Achilles from the opposing ranks. Fierce as a ravening lion, whom to slay pour forth the stalwart youths, the united strength of the roused village, he, unheeding, moves at first, but wounded by a javelin thrown by some bold youth, he turns with gaping jaws and frothing fangs, collecting for the spring his breast too narrow for his mighty heart, and with his tail he lashes both his flanks and sides as though to rouse his utmost rage. Then on, in pride of strength, with glaring eyes he dashes, if some hunter he may slay, or in the foremost rank himself be slain, so moved his dauntless spirit, Peleus's son, Aeneas, to confront. When near they came, thus first Achilles, swift of foot, began. Aeneas, why so far before the ranks advanced? Dost thou presume with me to fight? Perchance expecting that the throne of Troy and Priam's royal honours may be thine? E'en if thou slay me, deem not to obtain such boon from Priam. Valiant sons are his, and he not weak, but bears a constant mind. Nor have the Trojans set apart for thee some favoured spot, hmm? the fairest of the land, orchard or cornland, shouldst thou work my death which thou shalt find, I trust, too hard a task. Already hast thou fled before my spear. Hast thou forgotten how amid thy herds alone I found thee, and with flying foot pursued thee down the steep of Ida's hill? Nor didst thou dare to turn or pause in flight. Thou to Lernessus fledst, <laughs> Lernessus, I, with Pallas's aid, and Jove's, assailed and took, their women thence, their days of freedom lost, I bore away, <laughs> my captives, thee from death Jove and the other gods defended then, but will not now bestow, though such thy hope, their succour then i warn thee while tis time ere ill betide thee to the general throng that thou withdraw 
nor stand to me opposed. After the event, may e'en a fool be wise. To whom in answer thus Aeneas spoke. Achilles, think not me as though a fool to daunt with lofty speech. I too could well, with cutting words and insults, answer thee. Each other's race and parents well we know from tales of ancient days, although by sight nor mine to thee nor thine to me are known. To noble Peleus thou, tis said, wast born of Thetis, fair-haired daughter of the sea, of great Anchises, heaven-descended chief, I boast me sprung to him by Venus born. Of these shall one or other have this day to mourn their son, since not with empty words shall thou and I from mortal combat part. But if thou farther wouldst inquire, and learn the race I spring from, not unknown to men, by Dardanus of cloud-compelling Jove begotten. Was Dardania peopled first, ere sacred Ilium, populous city of men, was founded on the plain? As yet they dwelt on spring abounding Ida's lowest spurs. To Dardanus was Erichthonius born, great king, the wealthiest of the sons of men, for him were pastured in the marshy mead, rejoicing with their foals three thousand mares. Them Boreas, in the pasture where they fed, beheld, enamoured, and amid the herd, in likeness of a coal-black steed, appeared twelve foals, by him conceiving they produced. These, o'er the teeming cornfields, as they flew, skimmed o'er the topmost spray of the hoary sea. Again to Erichthonius, Tros was born, the king of Troy. Three noble sons were his, Ilus, Asarchus, and Ganymede, the fairest he, of all the sons of men. Him, for his beauty, bore the gods away to minister as cup-bearer to Jove and dwell amid the immortals. Ilus next begot a noble son, Laomedon, Tithonus he, and Priam, Clytius, Lampus, and Isetian, plant of Mars, Capis, begotten of Asarchus, begot Anchises, and Anchises me. To Priam, godlike Hector, owes his birth. Such is my race, and such the blood I boast. But Jove, at will, to mortals valour gives, or minishes, for he is lord of all. Then cease we now, like babbling fools, to prate here in the centre of the coming fight. 
terms of reproach we both might find whose weight would sink a galley of a hundred oars for glibly runs the tongue and can at will give utterance to discourse in every vein wide is the range of language and such words as one may speak another may return what need that we should insults interchange like women who some paltry quarrel wage scolding and brawling in the public street and in opprobrious terms their anger vent some true some false for so their rage suggests with words thou shalt not turn me from the field till we have met in arms then try we now each other's prowess with our brazen spears he said and hurled against the mighty shield his brazen spear loud rang the weapon's point and at arm's length achilles held the shield with his broad hand in fear that through its folds aeneas's spear would easy passage find blind fool forgetful that the glorious gifts bestowed by gods are not with ease o'ercome nor yield before the assaults of mortal men so broke not through aeneas's sturdy spear stayed by the golden plate the gift of heaven yet through two plates it passed but three remained for five were in the shield by vulcan wrought two were of brass the inner two of tin and one of gold which stayed the brazen spear achilles threw in turn his ponderous spear and struck the circle of aeneas's shield near the first rim where thinnest lay the brass and thinnest too the o'erlying hide right through the pelian shaft was driven wide gaped the shield aeneas crouched in fear as o'er his head he held his shield the eager weapon passed through both the circles of his ample shield and in the ground behind him quivering stood escaped the ponderous weapon sharpest pain flashing across his eyes in fear he stood so close the spear had passed him onward then drawing his trenchant blade achilles rushed with fearful shout a rocky fragment then aeneas lifted up a mighty mass which scarce two men as men are now could bear but he unaided lifted it with ease then had aeneas with the massive stone or on the helmet or the shield his death averting struck achilles and himself had by the sword of peleus's son been slain had not the earth-shaking god his peril seen and to the immortals thus addressed his speech 
Oh, woe is me for great Aeneas' sake, Who by Achilles slain must visit soon the viewless shades, Insensate, who relied on Phoebus' words. Yet not shall he avail from death to save him, Yet, oh, why should he, blameless himself, the guilt of others rue, who still his grateful sacrifice hath paid to all the gods in widespread heaven who dwell let us then interpose to guard his life lest if achilles slay him saturn's son be moved to anger for his destiny would have him live lest airless from the earth should perish quite the race of Dardanus, by Saturn's son, the best beloved of all his sons, to him by mortal women born. For Jove, the race of Priam, hath abhorred. But o'er the Trojans shall Aeneas reign, and his sons' sons through ages yet unborn. Whom answered thus the stag-eyed queen of heaven, Neptune, do thou determine for thyself Aeneas to withdraw, or leave to fall, good as he is, beneath Achilles' sword? But we before the immortal gods are bound, both I and Pallas, by repeated oaths, ne'er from his doom one Trojan life to save, though two devouring flames a prey all Troy were blazing, kindled by the valiant Greeks. The earth-shaker heard, and through the fight he passed, and through the throng of spears, until he came where great Achilles and Aeneas stood. Around the eyes of Peleus's son he spread a veil of mist. Then from Aeneas's shield the brass-tipped spear withdrawing laid it down before achilles's feet lifting up aeneas bore him high above the ground o'er many a rank of warriors and of cars aeneas flew supported by the god till to the field's extremest verge he came where stood the cochans arming for war there to Aeneas, standing by his side, the earth-shaker thus his winged words addressed. Aeneas, say what god has moved thee thus against Achilles, reckless to contend, thy stronger far, and dearer to the gods? If e'er he cross thy path, do thou retire, lest, e'en despite of fate, thou find thy death but when achilles hath to fate succumbed then fearless with the foremost join the fray no other greek shall bear away thy spoils thus plainly warned aeneas there he left then from achilles's eyes he purged the film astonished he with his eyes wide open gazed 
as thus he communed with his mighty heart o heaven what marvel do mine eyes behold my spear before me laid and vanished he at whom i hurled it with intent to slay then is aeneas of the immortal gods in truth beloved though vain i deemed his boast a curse go with him yet methinks not soon will he again presume to prove my might who gladly now in flight escapes from death then to the valiant greeks my orders given let me some other trojan's metal prove then toward the ranks he sprang each several man exhorting from the trojans valiant greeks no longer stand aloof but man to man confront the foe and nobly dare the fight twere hard for me brave warrior though i be to face such numbers and to fight with all not mars nor pallas though immortal gods could face and vanquish such a mighty mass but what my single arm and feet and strength may profit not a jot will i relax right through the ranks i mean to force my way and small shall be that trojan's cause for joy who comes within the compass of my spear thus he exhorting hector cheering on meanwhile the trojans with assurance given that he himself achilles would confront ye valiant trojans fear not peleus's son i too in words could with the gods contend though not in arms so much the stronger they not all his words achilles shall make good fulfilling some in others he shall fail his course midway arrested him will i encounter though his hands were hands of fire of fire his hands his strength as burnished steel thus he exhorting with uplifted spears advanced the trojans from the mingling host loud rose the clamour then at hector's side apollo stood and thus addressed the chief hector forbear achilles to defy and mid the crowd withdraw thee from the fray lest with the spear he slay thee thrown from far or with the sword in combat hand to hand he said troubled by the heavenly voice hector amid the throng of men withdrew then girt with might amid the trojans sprang with fearful shouts achilles first he slew otrynte's son iphitian 
valiant chief of numerous warriors. Him, a naiad nymph, in Hyde's fertile vale, beneath the feet of snow-clad Tmolus, to Otrintes bore. At him, as on he rushed, Achilles hurled, and through his forehead drove his glittering spear. The head was cleft in twain. Thundering he fell, and o'er him thus Achilles made his boast. Son of Otrintes, lie thou there, of men the most vainglorious. Here thou find'st thy death, far from thy place of birth beside the lake Jigean, There hadst thou thine heritage of old, beside the fish-abounding stream of Hellas, and by Hermes's eddying flood. Thus he, exulting, o'er Aphidian's eyes were spread the shades of death. His mangled corpse was crushed beneath the Grecian chariot-wheels in the first shock. Demoleon next he smote, an helpful aid in war, and Tenor's son, pierced through the temples, through the brass-bound helm, nor checked the brazen helm, the spear, whose point went crashing through the bone, that all the brain was shattered. Onward as he rushed, he fell. Then through the neck Hippodamus he smote, Flying before him, mounted on his car. Deep groaned he, breathing out his soul. As groans a bull by sturdy youths to the altar dragged, Of Neptune, king divine of Helicaean, the earth-shaking god, well pleased the gift recedes, e'en with such groans his noble spirit fled. The godlike Polydor he next assailed, the son of Priam. Him his aged sire would fain have kept at home, of all his sons, at once the youngest and the best beloved, among them all, for speed of foot unmatched, whose youthful folly in the foremost ranks his speed displaying cost him now his life. Him, as he darted by, Achilles's spear struck through the centre of the back, where met the golden clasps that held the glittering belt and where the breastplate formed a double guard. Right through his body passed the weapon's point. Groaning he fell upon his knees. Dark clouds o'erspread his eyes, supporting with his hand his wounded bowels. On the ground he writhed. When Hector saw his brother Polydor, Writhing in death, a mist o'erspread his eyes. No longer could he bear to stand aloof, But sprang to meet Achilles, flashing fire, His keen spear brandishing. At sight of him, 
up leaped Achilles, and exulting cried, Lo, here the man who most hath wrung my soul, who slew my loved companion. Now, methinks, upon the pass of war, not long shall we stand separate, nor each the other shun. Then, with stern glance, to godlike Hector thus. Draw near, and quickly meet thy doom of death. To whom thus Hector of the glancing helm, unterrified. Achilles, think not me, as though a fool and ignorant of war, to daunt with lofty speech. I too could well, with cutting words and insult, answer thee. I know thee strong and valiant, and I know myself to thee inferior, but the event is with the gods, and I, if such their will, the weaker, with my spear may reach thy life. My point, too, hath ere now its sharpness proved. He said, and poising, hurled his ponderous spear, which from Achilles' palace turned aside, with lightest breath, back to Hector sent, and laid before his feet. Intent to slay, Onward Achilles rushed with fearful shout. But Phoebus Hector from the field conveyed, as gods can only, veiled in thickest cloud. Thrice Peleus's godlike son with brazen spear his onset made. Thrice struck the misty cloud. But when, with power as of a god, he made his fourth essay, in fury thus he cried, Yet once again, vile hound, hast thou escaped. Thy doom was nigh, but thee, thy god, hath saved. Phoebus, to whom, amid the clash of spears, well mayst thou pray, we yet shall meet again, when I shall end thee, if a guardian god I too may claim. Meanwhile, from thee I turn, and others seek on whom my hap may light. He said, and drove through Dryops's neck his spear, and stretched him at his feet, and passed him by. Next with his spear he struck below the knee Philetor's son, Demuchus, stout and tall, and checked his forward course, then, rushing on, dealt with his mighty sword the mortal blow. The sons of Bias next, Leogonus and Dardanus, he hurled from off their car, one with a spear and one by sword-stroke slain. Tros, too, he slew, 
Alastor's son, who came to meet him and embrace his knees, and pray to spare his life in pity of his youth. Little he knew how vain would be his prayer, for not of temper soft nor mild of mood was he, but sternly fierce, and as he knelt and clasped his knees, and would his prayer prefer, Achilles clove him with his mighty sword, gashed through the liver, as from out the wound his liver dropped, the dark blood gushing forth his bosom filled, and darkness closed his eyes, as ebbed his life away. Then through the ear Mulius he thrust, at the other ear came forth the brazen point. Echeclus next he met, son of Agenor, and his hilted sword full on the centre of his head let fall. The hot blood dyed the blade, the darkling shades of death and rigorous fate his eyes o'erspread. Next, where the tendons bind the elbow joint, the brazen spear transfixed Deucalion's arm, with death in prospect and disabled arm he stood, till on his neck Achilles's sword descending shard, and flung afar both head and helmet. From the spine's dissevered joints the marrow flowed, as stretched in dust he lay. The noble son of Peleus next he slew, Rigmus, who came from Thracia's fertile plains. Him through the waist he struck, the brazen spear plunged in his bowels. From the car he fell, and as Arithuus, his charioteer, his horses turned, Achilles through the neck his sharp spear thrusting hurled him to the ground. The startled steeds in wild confusion thrown. As rage the fires amid the wooded glen of some parched mountain's side, and fiercely burns the copsewood dry, while eddying here and there the flames are whirled before the gusty wind, so fierce Achilles raged on every side, pursuing slaughtering reeked the earth with blood as when upon a well-rolled threshing-floor two sturdy-fronted steers together yoked tread the white barley out beneath their feet fast flies the grain outtrodden from the husk so by achilles driven his flying steeds his chariot bore or bodies of the slain and broken bucklers trampling. All beneath was splashed with blood the axle and the rails around the car, as from the horse's feet and from the fellows of the wheels were thrown the bloody gouts. And onward still he pressed, panting for added triumphs, deeply dyed with gore 
and carnage his unconquered hands. End of book twenty.